0: We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. I want to open it up with Ephesians chapter four and to understand what scripture really means in its impact You also have to understand, not just through the Holy Spirit revealing to you truth from Scripture, you have to understand the context from which it was written. Paul was in prison while he was writing this letter to the believers at Ephesus. Okay? And so he's writing this whole letter while he's in prison. Okay? He's in chains. And he says this in verse 1. If you don't believe me, just listen to verse 1. As a prisoner, everyone say prisoner, of the Lord. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, this is out of the voice translation, live a life that is worthy of the calling he has graciously extended to you. Father, I pray that today we would get this that we would get this truth of what it looks like to live a life worthy of what's been given to us in Jesus' name. Everyone in this room has been given something. Whether or not you choose to live it out, walk it out, is your choice. The only thing that you were ever predestined for is to know God. You have the choice to either send the RSVP back or keep it in your mailbox. You can show up at the wedding or not show up at the wedding. The relationship has invited you in. God has invited you in, but you don't have to accept it. The beautiful thing about love is, love never forces itself and changes free will. The one thing that's very hard to change is the heart. The trolls said it in the movie Frozen the heart is not easily changed. It's true. It's true. The heart is not easily changed. God cannot mess with your free will. You have to come to a place where you give up control. Some of you like to be in the driver's seat, but unfortunately, when you're in relationship with God, you're supposed to be in the passenger seat. And until you give him the wheel, you will drive yourself into destruction in some way. Because the only thing you were predestined for is to know him in relationship and to trust fully in him. And what that always looks like is him driving the vehicle of your life. He's the one that knows where you need to go when you don't know where you need to go. He's the one. Always. Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life that is worthy of the calling he has graciously extended to you. I just, I wanted to say this again. Every one of us have been given a special calling in life. Those that do not know God and will never know God because they choose to reject him, and those that do know God but are kind of playing the fence. You ever sat on a fence in the middle as a man? Doesn't work out too well, does it? A lot of us are trying to live life, though, like we're on the fence. Got to half in with God. Yeah, I believe God. I go to church, man. Like, we do our spiritual duty. It feels good, you know. And then we live the next six days of our life like we don't even know him. Paul is saying live a life worthy Of the call that's been extended to you by His grace. You know what grace is? Grace is giving you what you do not deserve. Grace is the enabling power of God for you so that you can win at life and hit the purpose that God has called you to hit in your lifetime. Grace has been extended to you, but yet we abuse it, right? Because maybe we don't know how to use it, so we abuse it. And so we take, we like a little bit of this, and we like a little bit of that. Instead of being all in, we sit on the fence trying to win at both sides. And you can't win at both sides for very long before literally your reproductive abilities are cut off. You know what I'm saying? You want to reproduce spiritual life? You got to get off the fence and be on the right side, The only way the disciples caught fish after they'd been fishing all night is when they cast the net on the what? On the, it's actually the right side. They were on the left side i'm playing this on the word though i'm using some wordplay here jesus said hey no 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 no! you've been on the wrong side of the boat the whole night that's why you haven't ca- caught fish and these seasoned fishermen are like come on man they didn't even know it was resurrected jesus at this point point." and they're resurrected resurrected jesus comes onto the scene onto the beach watching this the discouragement and they're thinking to themselves like casting it on the right side is going to change anything we've been out here all night what they do they cast that on the Right side. When you're on the right side, you're gonna win. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you live a life worthy of the calling that has been graciously extended to you. How do we live a life worthy? Well, I'm gonna break this down. But we start with this concept of we have to wear the real us like clothes. Write that down. We gotta wear the real us, the real version of us like we wear our clothes. There's a real version of you that might be still in your closet. There's a real version of you. The version of you that maybe you don't know yet is the version of you that's only discovered as you discover your relationship with Jesus. There's a real version of you that's hidden within the confines of the relationship with Jesus that until you lock into that, you never discover. That's the real you. And you are called to live that out and wear it like a wardrobe everywhere you go. Let me show you. You're like, what do I mean? Let me show you. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. I'm gonna read a few verses to you. Okay, so just track with me for a little bit and then we're gonna we're gonna break some stuff down. It says in Colossians 3, chapter 1, verse 1, therefore, have you been raised with Christ to a new life? Okay, so that you've been changed. Sharing in his resurrection from the dead. In other words, you've shared in the new life that has come as a result of him raising from the dead. You've also raised from the dead things of your life. You are made new. You've raised with him. You have a new life. Keep seeking, Paul says, the things that are above where Christ is. Get a higher perspective seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not the things that are on the earth, which only have temporal value. So get your head into the clouds. People always say stuff like, get your head out of the clouds. I want to get your head into the clouds. Because when you get your head into the clouds, your feet walk right. If your head's not in the clouds with him, your feet will walk according to how you think you should walk, and you'll always lose. But when you get his perspective, your feet just follow his perspective. You get what I'm saying? It says in verse 3, for you died to this world, and you're, listen to this, your new, your real life is hidden with Christ and God. That's all you need right there. Think about it. You're new and you're real life. So your fake life, you've lived for a long time. You didn't know God. That was your fake life. You had the fake ID. You got into all the clubs. You got into all the casinos before you were of age with the fake ID. That was your fake life. You accessed things you shouldn't have accessed. That was your fake life. You accessed things that you were never destined to access. That was your fake life. But God has this world that you were always destined to access once you discover your real life. Once you get your real identification card, now it gives you access to all the things that He really always wanted to give you that come as a result of the relationship. There's a kingdom. There is a kingdom. There is a domain. There is a realm in the spiritual world that is a a realm full of treasure Spiritual treasure treasure, things that you have no idea about that he wants to give to you, but you gotta have your access card. And to have your access card, you gotta be in relationship with him because the real you is what gives you the access to what he's called you to access. And to discover the real you, you gotta get into him. He's gotta get into you, and you gotta get into him. You gotta get off the fence. So, where is the real you? Hidden. Say it, hidden. The real use hidden. How do you find something hidden? you got to search. you got to look for it. you got to search him out in relationship. you got to develop. How do you find the hidden things of your spouse's heart? And I'm not talking about, like, bad secrets. I'm talking about just figuring out who they are. Finding out, like, what are they about? How do you find those things out? You have to search for them. you got to pursue them. you got to develop relationship, trust with them, right? You get what I'm saying, right? you got to develop the relationship. The relationship has to mature so you can get out of the relationship what you were always called to get out of it, the hidden things. Now let me just continue, and then I'm going to break this down for a second, okay? Colossians 3 now, verse 10. Jump a few verses ahead to verse 10. He says this, like I was saying, clothes, you got to wear your real self. You got to go into your closet and be like, that's me. What I was wearing yesterday wasn't me. So I'm going to go into my wardrobe and pull on put on the real me. Okay? It says here, put on your new nature. You got to put it on you got to wear it. you got to choose to wear it. Put on your new nature. It says, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know. Because knowing is a process. Is a process. You don't just know God. You meet God and get to know him as you go after who he is. You get into that relationship. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. Speaking religiously in this context, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God, listen to this verse 12. Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe. Everyone say clothe. So this is what clothing in the spirit looks like he's giving us now you got to put it on your new nature looks like clothes and this is what the clothes look like this is what the clothes smell like this is what the clothes sound like feel like and appear to those that are around them verse 12 it says this you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy kindness humility gentleness and what it's a hard one for all of us. And patience. Verse 13. Then he says this. Make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance. Give an allowance. Be, be, be okay in a sense. Not in an in a unhealthy place of tolerance. But be okay that people will have fault around you. That people will betray you. People will backstab you. Welcome to life. If you never want to be backstabbed, betrayed, have no friends. Don't be around people. He's basically giving the introduction to what will be. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Some of us like to hold on to stuff. But let me just tell you, holding on to it, you think you're punishing them but you're actually drinking the poison yourself. When you hold on to offense, you think you're like, I'm going to show them, I'm going to hold on to it, because subconsciously you do. And It doesn't matter what you say in this room. Everyone who holds on to an offense is doing it, hoping that people are going to know that they're trying to punish. But really, you're punishing yourself. You're drinking the poison every day. He says, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Why do you forgive? Because you've been forgiven. So you must forgive others. Verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves, so wear it like a costume, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Look to your neighbor and say, put it on. I want to speak really quickly on the subject of what are you wearing? Write that down. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Are you wearing? When you're, I like this, when your nature calls... Because your nature is always calling you. It's calling you from the closet that you put it in. When you gave your life to Jesus, it's calling you, hey, put me on today. You had a rough day yesterday. You weren't wearing what you were called to wear yesterday. I've been in the closet. I'm yours. you got to put me on. That's what inheritance is, really. Like, you've been given. Like, listen, you can't get any more of God than you already have right now. You already have all of God that you'll ever get in your whole life. It's a matter of you becoming aware of how much God you really have and discovering that every day. You'll, you already have your closet full of the greatest clothes on the planet. Whatever great is to you. Whether it's Gucci or Walmart, whatever. Whatever great is to you. You have everything you need. Everything you've always wanted. It's all already there. But you have the choice to access it. Because you've been given the real you identification card. So you have the choice to access it. You could wear unrighteousness or you could wear righteousness. You can wear no patience or you could wear patience. You can wear you're just a jerk today or you can wear kindness. I mean, we, you follow what I'm saying? We, we have the choice. He says, put it on. Put on your new nature because it's calling you. And I remember I, I woke up. This was probably, I, I can't remember the timeline now, at least I'd say seven to eight years ago. By the way, today is really a seven-year anniversary in the sense of we've been leading the local part of the church for seven years. Today, today is that day. So happy anniversary to us and those that are still here <laughs> with us. Um, it's been an awesome Hard, amazing loving awesome journey (laughs) no we are so thankful but i woke up seven to eight years ago and i woke up to an audible voice it was an audible voice of god you're like god still speaks absolutely the god of the bible is the same yesterday today and forever he's never changed he's never changed i don't know about you i would never want to serve a god that was one way in one era and different now although what he does changes who he is does not and who he is he's as a communicator God is a communicator. You can't change that part of him. And I woke up, and I heard the audible voice of God speak to me. I woke up literally hearing a voice speak to me. And I won't give you all the details of it, but the premise of it was this. Since you're called to this, Sean, wear it like you're already living it. He said some specific details to me. He said, since you're called to this, Wear it like you're living it. Other words, you're not living it per se right now. Like you're not experiencing what I've promised you right now. But I want you to dress up every day like you are living it. And it's not... It's not that I want you to fake it, it's I want you to faith it. I want you to so believe that what I promised you is true, that you set your life up now and the parameters of your life now in every area so that when it comes, you're ready. So that when it comes, you don't have to do some crazy adaptation because you never were prepared. You've been preparing all along. And and I would say if there was one or two things that have been really powerful over my life in the last season that he's spoken to me that have changed or have been on my mind the most, this was one of them. That even though I may not be at the point that I know God has called me to be at, and I'm experiencing the fruit of it yet, I'm going to prepare myself like I've already experienced it. Are you walking with me on on this path right now? So other words, stop acting like you were and start acting like you are. Because there's a real you that maybe you're not acting like. You're acting like the false you that you knew for 25 years when you were addicted to this, doing this, doing that, doing that. You were addicted to that part of you. That's all you knew. That was the you you knew but there's a real you that's only discovered in your relationship with Jesus that maybe you don't know yet that you're first for the first time discovering act like that. You get what I'm saying? Bring that ID wherever you go. I uh, the whole last 4 weeks my daughter I'm going to I'm going to jump on 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 using my daughter as an illustration again. My daughter Harvest, my fourth child, uh she's 3 now. Her vocabulary has really developed over the last month and and her 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 humor her personality everything is just like it's spiked a little bit like it's just changed she's funnier than she's ever been she's just doing hilarious things all the time and it's interesting just hearing her communicate and she I don't know she's kind of still been doing it but for like I think a solid two to three weeks there was like this joke I don't know why she thought it was funny everyone she'd come into contact with she would call them by my name Like, my my mother, like, everybody, like, my my sister, my brother-in-law, the cousins, like, my own wife, she'd be like, okay, Sean. Okay, Sean. Like, literally, she just, all the time, and it was like a joke, and she was laughing about it. Like, and it just kept happening and happening, and at this point, I'm like, I thought it was kind of funny. She calls, says it to me, too. She's, and I don't really take it as disrespect, honestly, at this point in her her life at all. I, I think it's actually funny. Um, but she, she calls people by my name. And it's interesting because that's how we have, as believers are to treat those around us. We are, call, are to call people by the Father's name. His identity over people around us. That's how we are to see people. And if I could pull something beautiful from that is that, is that we are all called to see the Father's DNA and potential in everyone around us. Because the real them, the real them, is only discovered by understanding that they have the Father's DNA within them. You know, there's been studies that have been done that what we wear, like the clothes that we wear, actually affects our performance. And I've read a few articles that were just really interesting, and, um... One of the articles that I, that I read, and uh, the Scientific American actually highlights it in one of the studies that more formal outfits lead to higher abstract thinking. More formal outfits lead to higher abstract thinking. That would explain why Don's so smart. <laughs> More formal outfits lead to higher abstract thinking, that wearing, listen to this, a lab coat, like a doctor, can make you focus better. And that wearing the color red leads athletes to lift a heavier amount of weight as opposed to wearing the color blue. I mean, this is science. There's different things that, that represent, like, how color affects how we feel. And we know that. We don't have to argue about that. It's 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 truth. Branding, marketing. You study uh, marketing and, and, and branding. The branding experts out there will tell you certain colors are better to use than other colors. And color does have an effect. But even what you wear has an effect on how you live. And I want to connect this because every time that we live out Colossians 3 and put on our nature every day by faith, we choose to act by the real us, not by the old us. It affects how we live. It affects how we think. It affects how we do what we are called to do. How many closets in here are full? Like, no, anybody have any full closets? I oh, thought there'd be way more hands than that. How many closets are empty? Like, you, only, you have one pair of clothes or what? Maybe you don't have a closet. You have a drawer. How many drawers are full? Okay, okay. But the reality of it is, I mean, how many... And and I'm sure there are are people that are minimalists here, but I'd say like probably 60% of you probably don't wear a lot of what you have in your closet. Maybe because of weight fluctuation or whatever, you you keep them as backup. I don't know. Um, I I don't know what the situation is for you, but a lot of us don't wear half of what's in our closet. And it's kind of like our spiritual life. We don't put on what's in our closet waiting for us to put on. We don't put on kindness. We don't put on gentleness. We don't put on patience. We put on just whatever and expect to go throughout our day managing within our own effort instead of relying on His grace that is connected to us living out His calling in our life. I want to give you three simple things that our nature is calling us to do. Write these things down if you can. I wanna give us three simple things that our nature is calling us to do and live out in our lives. Number one, write this down, live like we're called. We live like we're called by putting on our new nature every day saying, okay, I'm not going to let the other side of me affect me in this situation. I'm going to put on my new nature. My new nature is tender-hearted mercy. My new nature is forgiving others. My new nature is if I've been offended, I'm going to overcome that offense by love. My new nature is patience. My new nature is kindness. I'm going to put that on like clothes. I'm going to wear it today because I'm in a situation where it's hard, man, and I've been betrayed and I've been back- backstabbed, but I'm going to go into my closet that God has filled with everything that I need to live life and godliness in Him. I'm going to go into my closet because I'm I'm a co-heir with him. I have all the inheritance. I have all of God that I ever will have. So all you got to do is go in and access it by faith and, and, and make a decision to put on that new nature. I'm going to live like I've been called. It says in verse 12, since God chose you to be holy, the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Making allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. Others. I'm going to put on all these things in my finances, my marriage, my family, my job, in my neighborhood, my personality, uh, within my personal life. And, and, and maybe we have all these excuses like as to why we shouldn't have to put this on, why we shouldn't have to wear it, why we, we could just, it's okay to be bitter. It's okay to, to be judgmental. It's okay to hold a grudge. It's okay to, 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 to you know, blame everybody else for our problems. It's okay. Maybe we have an amazing reason. No matter how amazing your reason is, you're just hurting yourself in the end. You're just hurting yourself in the end. Something that I, I, I battle all the time, so one of my struggles is feeling like I'm failing as a leader, failing as a husband, failing as a father. It's something that I battle with all the time. And am I good enough? And Can I handle what God has promised me? Can I handle, in my, do I have a capacity for it? Do I really have it? Do I really have what it takes to be the person that I know I'm supposed to be? And I know, do I really have what it takes to be the real version of me that's found in Christ? Do I really have it? And the reality of it is, I don't have it outside of relationship with him. It's only by his grace that's going to give me what I need to do that and live that out. But it's a battle and I have to choose to go into the closet of success when I feel like a failure. I have to choose to go into the closet and then come out of the closet strong, victorious, not as a victim, not as a I suck, all parent fail, hashtag I did it again. Because I don't know about you, but I feel the spirit of Britney Spears on me all the time. Oops, I did it again said the wrong thing to my kids, didn't give them enough time, said the wrong thing to my wife, didn't give her whatever. And I I play this in my mind. Anybody feel this? Am I the only one? Am I the only messed up person in the room? But I have to choose to put it on every day. Let's go back to our original original, um, uh, verse that I opened up with out of Ephesians 4. Can we do that quickly? Go back to Ephesians 4 verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, live a life that is worthy of the calling he has graciously extended to you. This word for live a life means to walk around to come full circle. Walk around like a circuit until you get it. To live a life worthy is to put this on in your everyday walk, in your lifestyle, all the time. It's not just at home. It's not living a life worthy when you're in church, when you're in certain environments. No, it's in life as you walk throughout life, full circle as you walk throughout life in a circuit that you are living like you've got it. Like you're living like you've owned it. You're living like you actually have the inheritance. You're wearing the outfit. You're representing like not just being a police officer but wearing the uniform and actually policing the people that's what you're called to do it would be a lot of Christians walk around like with the police uniform and act like they got no authority I wear the uniform look at me I got the badge so and so on here I got the uniform but I act like I got no authority I have no power no if you have the uniform you got the power you have the uniform you got the you got the authority do you something do something with what you've got it's been given to you the wardrobe has been given to you the police outfit is in your closet so wear it and then act according to what you're wearing act according to your nature. You get what I'm saying? Put it on like clothes every day because your nature is calling you. Wear me. Put me on. Come on. Come on. I'm the real you. I'm the real version of you. Don't let shame, guilt, condemnation tell you you're something that you're not. You're a bad father. You're a horrible leader. You're a horrible mother. You're a horrible worker. You're always going to fail. You're never going to succeed. You're never going to prosper. You're always going to struggle financially. You're always going to be in debt. You're always going to be addicted. That's the old you. The real you is saying you are victorious. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You will win. You will succeed. That's what your closet is saying. You know why? that's what your nature is saying. The real nature within you is saying you're going to win. You're called to win. He says live a life that is what? Worthy. That word for worthy literally means to have a worth by living it out, walking it out, that actually matches the value Okay, so, God has spoken to you. I'm going to use this language because people understand it. God has spoken to you and says, and, and says to us, we have a billion dollar price tag on our lives. But we act and live like we have $10 in our pocket, and that's all we have. God is like, listen, bro, you've got a billion dollars in the bank waiting for you. But instead of going to the bank... You walk around with the 10 in your pocket that the old you left behind for you. And you walk around like you've got nothing. You walk around like you don't, you, you don't know yourself. You walk around not living according to the value and the price tag that's on your life. You're a billion dollar price tag. But you act like a $10, like a $10 used item. You get what I'm saying? You're like acting like you're at the thrift store. Nothing wrong with the thrift store. But the reality of it it is you are a price tag that really doesn't even have a value that would never exist in the thrift store. I'm not knocking the thrift store. Just hear the, the analogy for a second. If you shop there, it's all good. You got a billion dollar price tag on you live worthy. Live according to the value. I'm a billion dollar price man. I'm worth more than this. If you're a woman in this room and you're dating, don't let your dating become a game. If that man is not ready to put a ring on it after how, after five years, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say you might want to peace out. Act according to your value. You are worth more than you think. When you're tempted to do something that you know probably is not the best thing for you, remember your value. Would you throw a billion dollars into a pig pen? Why? Because you value it, right? But when you go down a road that you know you shouldn't go on, you voluntarily get into the pig pen, roll around with the pigs, and come out like that's all you're worth. Because some of us feel like that's all we're worth. But that's not how God sees you. God sees you as worth way more than dirt. Way more than your past. Way more than the crap that you're dealing with right now. Way more than the problems that you're facing. He sees you way more valuable. So when Paul says, in prison, you guys. He's in chains. And he's like, live worthy. Like, like, live a life that's worthy. Like, I don't know about you. He's in prison. And he's saying that. Pretty sure he's being the example of it writing encouraging letters to struggling believers while he's just trying to believe to get out of prison and he doesn't even know if he's gonna get out of prison. And he's in prison writing a letter to encourage other people when they should be encouraging him and saying, guys, live a life worthy. You're belly aching over this and over that and over that. I'm in prison. I've been, I, I'm like a, I'm gonna be a martyr. I mean, I'm getting my butt kicked in here for faith just to encourage you and I'm encouraging you. Don't waste your life. Don't throw that billion dollars into the pig pen. You're way more worth than that. You have way more value than that. And he's he's probably like hungry and he's shaking and he's writing this. He's like, oh, they guess they they have to know how how worthy they are. They have to know how much value they have. They have to know. They have to know. They have to know because they they're forgetting right now. And I may be in chains right now, but they're forgetting. So I gotta get this to them. You're worth more than you think because you're called, he says. Live a life that is worthy of the calling. Some of you have just started a journey with God. You don't even know the context of what I say, what I mean by when I say or when Paul says calling. Like you don't even have a grid context for that. Well, what, what do you mean calling? Like what, what am I called to? Well, first and foremost, you're called to know God in a powerful way, a real way, that changes the game for you. But secondly, you're called to impact people and the world with that relationship. How that impact looks you may not truly know until you take the first few steps in this relationship. How that impact looks you may not fully know until you make the little impact that you have the potential to make right now that's in front of you. Don't wait till you're dead. Don't wait till you're on your deathbed to finally decide to do something good with your life. Cuz that's too late. Make a choice, and now I'm going to make the best of what I'm going to take lemons and make lemonade. I'm going to take the scraps. I'm going to take all the scraps from the food that I've just eaten, and I'm going to compost it, and I'm going to make a flower garden. That's definitely not a word for me. That's a word for somebody here. Okay? Okay? Take the scraps and do something good with what you've got. Don't wait for the perfect scenario. <gasps> okay, well, one day when everything's aligned perfectly, then I'll, I'll, I'll do some stuff. No, no, no. That is the most stupid thought because you're never going to be, per- nothing's ever going to align perfectly for you. you got to take the leap and just start impacting people with where you're at. Do something with what you've got. Take the one talent, turn it into two. Take the $1, turn it into $10. do not wait till you have a million to start giving and investing and being smart with your money. Be smart when you have $100. It's the principle of stewardship. You're called to do incredible things. You're called to make an incredible impact in this life. And you're called to live a life worthy of that calling in your every day according to the value that's been placed on you. Number two, write this down. Love like we're called. We are called to love like we are called. I mentioned in our team rally this morning in our Supernatural leadership training that we do at 855, which all of you are welcome to come. I'd encourage you, leadership training. I mentioned how uh, uh, an author out of the South, pastor of a big church in the South, wrote this book called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. Love like you've never been hurt. One of the ways that we are called to manifest our new nature is to love like we are called to love, which is to love like we've never been hurt. To love even though we've been betrayed, even though our trust has been broken, we are called to love. To love those that don't like you, to love those that love you, but to love those that are coming against you. To love in all capacities. And sometimes what ends up happening that stops our ability to love is our struggle with comparing ourselves with others. We think we should be at a different place, a better place. And so often even whether you realize it or not, comparison actually holds our love. It holds our love from loving ourselves. Because when you compare yourself against another, you stop loving yourself as who you are because you're comparing yourself with somebody how somebody else is and as a result you can't love those around you. That's where the two greatest commandments that summed up everything was love God with everything and love your neighbor as your what? Self. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself and when you compare yourself with others you stop loving yourself I should be this, I should be that, I should be here, I should be over there. And when you start looking at others, I want to get to a place, I don't know about you, where I don't care about how green your grass is. And I'm not there. Probably because I'm actually inspired about how some people keep their grass so green and I try so hard it doesn't work out for me. I don't care how, but I want to get to a place where I don't care about how green your grass is. I don't know about you. Because when I do, when I start comparing myself or what I have with what you have and vice versa, I stop loving myself according to the value that's on me. And I place all that expectation on the value on you. And then I stop loving you as a result. You become my bitter cup. When people start becoming your bitter cup... It's because you've been comparing yourself with the wrong person. The only person you should ever compare yourself to is one person. It's one name, and his name is Jesus. He is the model. He is the prototype. He is the cornerstone. He is the the stone that every other stone that builds a building is set in reference to. He's the only one you need to compare yourself and go back to. Comparison, I say this often is a calling killer. If you don't want to live a life worthy of the calling, compare yourself. Because comparison cuts the love off in a moment. It cuts the love of yourself and the love that you're called to love others with. Number three, write this down. Number three, if you're a little bit lost, number one was live like we're called. Number two was love like we're called. And number three, we need to lead like we're called. We need to lead like we're called. The question is, what are you wearing? Are you wearing your old self or your new self? Are you wearing the future or are you wearing the past? You're only going to wear two things in life, let me tell you right now. You're only going to wear two things. The future or the past. You're like, what about your present? No, no, there's no present. There's no present in God. You're either wearing the old you or the new you. You hear what I'm saying? The new you is connected entirely to your future. The old you is your past. It's your history. It's what's defined you so long. It's what's gripped you so long. You only wear two things. And every day you have a choice to put on your new nature and live like you really are called live out the real you your real nature that nature is in your closet crying out to you put me on today put me on to you today i want to read this scripture out of john 2 let me just show you something really interesting for a moment in john 2 you got to understand this this is before jesus ever did any miracles okay so jesus as a 30-year-old is baptized, hadn't done any recorded miracles, hadn't started ministry, lived his life at 30, got baptized, and it was in that season of his life that he began his ministry for three and a half years, okay, at the age of 30. So he gets baptized, hadn't done any miracles yet, and they're at a wedding, and he's with his mom, Mary, okay, and they're hanging out at this wedding, and, and the wine ran out. The wine ran out. There was no more wine left. And in that culture, in that time, at a celebration like that, wine being no more is like water in our culture. There's no more wine left. Like this is like water. This is like the liquid we drink in a celebration like this. Because in that time frame, you got to remember, they didn't have the same filtration systems that we have today. So in some way, wine was actually better for you, which is why Paul encouraged Timothy, drink a little wine because your stomach's off. Because the wine was actually better for you in some capacity than some of the water because the water didn't have the same sort of filtration system that we have today. It was contamination. Okay? So walk with me for a second. It says in verse 3 of John chapter 2, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. So Mary says to Jesus, they have no more wine. Verse 4. This is how he responds to his mom. Woman! Imagine that, eh? That would be like a slap in the face for some people. Woman, what, listen to this, what he says, why do you involve me? In some translations it says this, what does this have to do with me? What does your issue have to do with me, woman? Jesus replied. Then he says this to his mom, my hour has not yet come. In other words, it's not my time yet. It's not my time to access what you're asking me to access. It's not my time right now to activate a miracle in this moment. It's not the time yet. You know what Mary does? Mary's like, turns, his head, turns her head, looks to his servants. Looks to his servants, and verse 5 says this. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. It's like she completely disregarded what her son had just said, it's not my time. She's like, do whatever he tells you because I know he's going to do something. You know what she did? In that moment, she led like she had a value as Jesus' mom. Don't worry, guys. I got this covered. I got a son. He's got this covered. That son, you no, know, if I told you how he came, you wouldn't believe me. Like there was no Joseph involved. Like there was something else going on. I got this guy, he's supernatural. Forget what he said right now. My faith is going to activate something before it's time because I'm going to lead like I'm wearing the future. I'm going to lead right now like I'm wearing what's to come. And because I wear what's to come, I'm going to activate it now in the present. And that's how we live. We're called to wear clothes like we really are that speak to our future, not our past. And in this moment, Mary put on the cloak of the future of that. Now, I don't care if it's your time. I'm going to act like it is your time. And because of that, by faith and leading by example, it's going to be your time. That's how we're called to live. That's what living worthy of the calling looks like. It's acting as though you have it now, not one day. You want a good marriage? Live like you've got a good marriage now, not just when it's really good. What I mean by that, while you're in hell, start making a heavenly bed. Start acting like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to find good in this hell right now. Because there's always a little bit of good in every hell of your life. Lead like we're called. I think everybody in scripture, if you study the scripture, everyone had a piece of this. From Moses who couldn't talk as a stutter, from Noah who was considered a drunk, who actually saved and restarted, was a part of restarting humanity. Every great hero that we see mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 had to live like this. Had to live and lead like this. That in the midst of their deficiency or their inefficiency or their lack of resourcefulness, they just chose to lean in and trust God when it made no sense. They lived according to the value that was on their life.